If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is The Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com. And without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. My guest today is Tom Schwab. Tom is the founder of Interview Valet. It's a hot digital agency that helps experts, entrepreneurs, thought leaders get booked on podcasts around the world. He's also the author of the book titled Podcast Guest Profits. In a prior life, Tom started a bunch of businesses, so he's a hardcore entrepreneur at heart. And he also has a background as a United States naval engineer, and he was um, in charge of... uh, nuclear power plant, I believe. He's worked in many different fields across his life, and he's here to tell us a little bit about his new business interview, Valet, his experiences as an entrepreneur, and also basically how to become an awesome guest on podcast. So with that said, Tom, welcome to the show. HD, I am thrilled to be here. And uh, yeah, when you you have to introduce introduce a guy that's 50 years old uh there's a lot that goes into that so uh, there's just uh, you know the story behind it but it all leads to where we are right now and you know there's no better time to be alive yeah and i love your background tom you just went from the navy to corporate with striker and then you started your own chain of businesses and then now you're in um podcasting industry so tell us a little bit about your career trajectory how did you get here from Way back when. You know, it's like anything. It only makes sense in the rearview mirror when you start to connect the dots. But I look at it as like one built on the other. Mm. So I would say my first job out of college was running a nuclear power plant in the Navy. Uh, I was on aircraft carriers. And one of the things that taught me was the power of systems and, um, you know, uh, teaching uh, the culture. And now when people say, you know, well, my business is is too too complicated uh, to really put a system behind. I'm like, come on. They run nuclear reactors with systems. Mm. Your business couldn't be any um, any more complicated than that. And even now what we're doing, it, it builds on what I learned in the operations side and the sales side and inbound marketing, you know, building businesses with content. And what we found is that, you know, blogs, blogs don't work nearly as well as they used to, but the new content is all audio. And, you know, if you're listening to this, you understand the power of podcasting. So we really said, how can we use, you know, that strategy that we knew and use it with podcast interviews? And once again, putting a system behind it so we can test it, we can refine it. And that's really what we do. You know, uh, at the heart, uh, marketing is starting a conversation with somebody that could be an ideal customer. And there's no better way to do that that we found uh, than being on podcasts where they already listen to. You know, you don't have to worry about breaking through the noise. You just get in on the conversation. Great, great. That's very, very good intro to that subject. But I want to dive a little bit back. So let's let's go back okay. to your, your company, Goodbye Crutches, which you started in around... Um, 2009. So I know you worked in um, medical devices. You know, you started a medical device company around that 2004, 
to 2009 period, you know, we all know what happened, the Great Recession, you know, things were really, really tough. So tell me oh, yeah. a little bit about your business experiences then, you know, what, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced in that period? And then how did you survive and thrive? Because, I mean, from that, you seem to have come out better than ever, stronger than ever. You moved into what? other things. Well, I'm going to go back just a little bit before that. Uh, okay. The whole idea of being bulletproof, probably the, the biggest bullet I ever took was when I was working for a, a medical device company, you know, and um, we were the distributor. It was a great business model. And we looked at it and said, this is going to last forever, right? Yeah. Like we all look at businesses. And one of the things as we went into the great recession was the manufacturer decided that they wanted to cut out the distributors and go direct, yeah. you know, sort of cut out the middleman, which makes a whole lot of sense, G, until you look in the mirror and you realize, hey, I'm the middleman. Yeah. And so, you know, they 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 took care of me and did the right thing. Um, and in hindsight, I would have done the same thing if I was in their position. But one of the things that I looked at was, okay, what opportunity does this bring? You know, the world has changed. And one of the things that I used to look at was that, you know, I'd say that I wanted safety and security. Mm -hmm. And what I'd always, always done, be it working for a company, distributing for one company, or even working in the military, said that my security comes from that one customer. Yeah. And what I realized is that your security comes from your ability to produce. Mm. And the more you can diversify with multiple customers – Really, the more secure that you, the more secure you are. Um, so, from that standpoint, I, I really looked and said, "What do I know? What do we have as far as technology today, and and how can I leverage that?" And to not put myself in a position where I ever again have one customer where all of the income comes from. You know, that can that can be a blessing or it can be a curse, mm -hmm. and uh, it can change really really quick that way. Yeah, and especially even worse is if you have one or two customers that are responsible for all your income. You understand? And, and <laughs> if you're if you're an employee, you know, like I was in the in the military, um, you've got you've got one customer. Yeah, and I. I got out in 1992, and uh, for the, those of you who are old enough, uh, like me, to remember, that's when you know peace broke out. You know, the Soviet Union uh, collapsed, and all of a sudden, you know, there was no there was no enemy. Uh, so from that standpoint, uh, there was cutbacks, and I, I had done everything um, fun that I wanted. And I thought, now well, it's time to go on and, and move to something else. But uh -huh. uh, you know, um, there's a lot of things that can go on in the world and change that are beyond your control. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the more diversification you have, the more in control you are. Yeah. And I really love one statement you've made, you made in this podcast, which I know you've made in several of your interviews, which is that security comes from your ability to produce. Now, um, when, I, when, when I heard you say that the first time and you said it again, I just said, man, that is, that is so powerful. Because if you think about everybody that we know that is actually like killing it in business and life, there are people that tend to produce stuff. So movie stars, they produce something that millions of people watch and they get paid that way. Same thing with um, business people like um, Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, some, something like that. They produce something that we all love and we buy it and buy it and that's how they all get rich and they, they never have to um, go broke a day in their life. Just 
or even for their families just because a they're in the constant state of making something putting something out there whereas people that have to hustle and work all the time are always consuming so one that that just that statement alone is so powerful in that i think this medium that we now have which which you're living in and i'm living in which is the podcasting medium gives everybody the ability to become a producer right away you don't need to spend too much money to start making stuff and getting things out there. Uh, very much so. And I, I like the way um, uh, there's a book called Thou Shall Prosper, Prosper by, Rabbi, Rabbi Daniel, Daniel Lappin. Lappin. Yeah, I love that book. Yes. <laughs> and he's got a great podcast too. But in there he calls money certificates of appreciation. Wow. So mm-hmm. somebody gives you mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. as appreciation, right? Yeah. They don't give you money because uh, you showed up for a certain number of hours mm-hmm. or you just got – a certain degree. No, you've got to be able to produce during that time. Yeah. And if, if if they appreciate what you do more than the money in their pocket, they're going to give you the certificates of appreciation. And I, I think that's a great way to look at, um, at getting paid and serving. You get paid for serving. Mm. So, so now how did you come about this, um, podcast interview marketing strategy and this business? Cause you started this business I, I used to see you around on the internet. I think it was around 2015 or so was when I first noticed that, huh, people are actually getting booked through agencies. That's kind of cool. And it just like, it didn't occur to me to connect with you guys up until this year, but I, I saw some tweets and I saw like a handful of people that I knew in the podcasting realm had started um, working with you. So I was like, that's very interesting. So how did you come about that idea? Well, you know, if you ask any any company founder, they'll give you the story on how they had it all planned out. The truth is um, we listened to the customers and mm. we, we saw what was working and wasn't working. Um, and really, it, it started out where I said that that my background was inbound marketing and I had built a business with blogs, was helping some other people do it. And one of the things that I saw was about oh, probably four years ago, that blogs just weren't working nearly as well as they used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're saturated and who's really reading a blog nearly as much anymore. Yeah. And, you know, the data, the data will show that too. But we kept d- doing it. And one of the things that I saw is we had a client and he had great stories, a great voice, and he'd write a blog and it's like, yep, that's a blog. Keep doing that for the next couple mm. of years and maybe you'll get traction. So we noticed that podcasts were really starting to take off. Mm-hmm. But one of the things was, well, we could do our own podcast. But anybody that says doing a podcast is easy has either never done it or never done it well. Mm. You know, it, it, the great ones just make it look easy. So it's like, ah, I don't know that we want to do all of that, you know, just to test this out. Yeah. So in uh, – in blogging, we used to use guest blogging, and it was a hack that um, when you first started out, especially when you don't have an audience, well, go guest blog for somebody else. You know, Get in front of their audience, get that know, like, and trust, get the backlinks. And so we thought, I wonder if you could do the same thing with podcast interviews. Uh, you know, Get on an established podcast, get the authority from the host, get that know, like, and trust, get the traffic, um, the SEO benefits. And so we tested that. And she, I was blown away by it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the traffic that came from those first few interviews, I thought, oh, it's got to be just the personality or the niche they're in. Mm-hmm. So we kept, we kept testing it and refining it. And it's like, no, this really works. It is a yeah. system. 
So we kept, you know, we kept testing it and refining it and really put it together into what we call podcast interview marketing. Nice, nice. And now you have over a couple, you have a couple hundred clients, correct? Uh, correct. We've got uh, uh, over um, 200 clients and we've been on over 5,000 podcast interviews now. So whenever we say something, it's like, um, you know, uh, our data shows this. Yeah. Uh, it's not just our opinion. Uh, because, you know, we've all got a, our opinions, yeah. but really what the customers say, they'll tell us what they love and what they loathe and double down on one and stop doing the other one. Great. So now you, I know we talked about, um, you know, coming up with this idea, you know, getting clients on podcasts and then, you know, finding out that, you know what, each, each podcast has an engaged community that can come back to you to benefit the potential guest. So now let's talk a little bit about that further. I I spoke with your CMO the other day, Dan, and he gave sure. gave me a very interesting case study of a of an accountant or a CPA that had a, over was it 600% return on investment. That was the first year and that wow. discounted the uh, lifetime value of the customers. He was just talking, you know, in the first 12 months. Wow. Wow. So give me another story like that, because that one's going to air when that podcast episode comes out. But give me another story of a massively high ROI for a client that has show, that shows that this medium works and this strategy is like going to blow up in the next coming years. Sure. And I'll, I'll point back to that, what I mentioned before, one of our early clients that was doing a blog, right? Mm. And he just wasn't seeing traction on it. Uh, his name is Aaron Walker. He's a, uh, a business and life coach out of Nashville. And uh, he was known in the area, but he was you know, he was obscure nationally and he knew he had to get out from there, uh, you know, to, to find other clients. And, you know, from an SEO perspective, uh, Aaron Walker was a hard, um, name to, uh, to rank for. There was an NFL player at the same time. Um, and the company's name was view from the top, which is also the name of a movie, um, that it was sort of a B rate movie, but all of a sudden he couldn't rank for either his name or his company name. Mm -hmm. And so, after he started to get it out onto podcast interviews, he started to get links back, and that helped his SEO and his organic search. Yeah. But more than that, uh, for purely from a business perspective, he started just to uh, fill his one-on-one -on -one coaching spots. Yeah. Well, that happened really quick. Then he raised his prices. And he still had this great backlog of people that wanted to work with him that had heard him from podcast interviews. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, I, you know, I want to help these people. So he started a mastermind, a, a paid mastermind of 10 people. Well, that one filled up. Within 18 months, he had filled up six paid masterminds of 10 people each. Whoa. His one-on-one -on -one coaching was filled up. Then he started an online community. And within two and a half years, um, he had speaking engagements. He launched his book from a podcast interviews. Um, and he is the only advertising he has ever done or really marketing is off of podcast interviews because really, you know, uh, he wanted to get his story out there. Uh -huh. Um, and, and he worked it hard on podcast interviews, but he went from obscure to acclaimed mm. as a coach, just, just based on that. Mm. And looking back on it, we're like, well, 
if you think about it, so many people aren't just selling a, a product or a service, uh-huh. right? Um, it's not a commodity. It's really a relationship. So yeah. if you're an author, um, you know, people want to know who you are. If you're a speaker, if you're a coach, even if you're an emerging brand, people want to know the heart behind it. Yeah. And it's hard to get that through, uh, you know, with a little Facebook ad. Uh-huh. Uh, but boy, boy, when somebody hears you for 30 or 45 minutes, they either would like Aaron uh, and, and come ready to engage, or they'd say, oh, that was interesting, and move on from there. Yeah. So what happened was that the leads that he were he was getting were converting so much better, yeah. so much faster. Uh, you know, and after somebody, after a friend introduces you, basically, right? Uh-huh. Because that's what the podcast host is, and they've heard you for thirty or forty-five minutes. Uh, that's not cold traffic anymore. That's yeah. those are hot leads. Yeah. And and the the thing I like about podcasting is basically it's like you and I are having a conversation at a at a coffee house. You know, sit, sitting together having a cup of coffee and talking and chilling and then the listener is like eavesdropping on the next table it's just so intimate <laughs> that it feels like they're actually there with you when you're saying something they're like oh yeah that happened to me too or i think i want you to ask this question and the host asked that question and it's like wow that is powerful because the power of storytelling is such that you know storytelling has been around since the beginning of time but the most powerful thing about it is that when you're telling a story especially through um, just the audio medium alone, the mind starts to create the pictures and makes the person more in- involved in the story. So that engagement, that raw connection is magnified like 10 to 100 times, even more powerful than watching a movie. Uh, and, and especially when you start moving the relationship on, like in, into a, a discovery call or a sales call, because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know much about the prospect at this point. You know, maybe you've gone to their website and, and their social media, but boy, they – They've already listened to you for 30 or 45 minutes. They, they know your heart. Um, they know who you help, how you work. And, you know, they come uh, at, at almost an advantage of knowing everything about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may have had, had this before, um, you know, where somebody reaches out to you and, and they know all these facts and you have no idea who they are, yeah. but they know you. They, they consider you a friend because they've heard you on a podcast. Yeah, nice. So what are some best practices for people who want to appear on podcasts as guests. Sure. And the, the biggest thing is that we, we always have looked back and after uh, our first, I think it was 50 clients, we went back and looked and said, what made the difference between some of them having good results and other ones having great results? And we really boiled it down into three things, message, market, and machine. And they all multiplied on each other. So the first one is the message. And uh, you know, messages, do you have stories to tell? And not just a product to sell. Mm-hmm. No, nobody wants to hear an infomercial on a podcast. Yeah. So don't don't go there. The second one is the market, and we touched on this a little bit before. Of do you have something that can help them, and do you know who you want to talk to? You know, early on we worked with some authors, and uh, we'd say, well, who do you want to talk to? And they're like. Um, Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> and I, I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Everybody isn't interested in your book. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, make sure that you know who you can help and then have a way to help them. You know, we talked about, you know, certificates of appreciation before. Early on, we had it where some people said, well, I just want to build my brand to get known. Well, you've got to help people, right? Uh, you can You can introduce them on the podcast, but have a next step for them. 
And then the final one is the machine. And the machine is after I hear you on a podcast interview and I go to the web to look at you, does that machine build my trust or destroy the trust? Mm -hmm. So do you have a website where they can go to learn more? Um, Can they engage there? If they go on social media, does it does it support what you were saying? You know, the days of uh, just giving out an email address on a podcast, uh, that's that's long gone. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, come, come and sign up for my newsletter. Nobody wants another newsletter. Yeah. But if them something that, you know, is helpful to them, um, that that's the what it really is all about. Beautiful, beautiful. And now looking looking ahead, you know, as the year is starting to wind down and we're all beginning to anticipate 2018, what do you think is in the future for podcasting? Well, first of all, I'm going to give a shout out to that person in 2020 right now that's listening for the first time because this, this medium is evergreen, right? So mm-hmm. even though we're talking in the end of uh, 2017 here, this will live on for for pretty much ever. Yeah. And when somebody finds it, it could be new to them. Uh-huh. I really think where the future is going, and I believe wholeheartedly that podcast interview marketing is going to be as big as email marketing or Facebook marketing in the future. Mm. You know, we did a study last year of uh, 10,000 podcast hosts, podcast guests, and marketers. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we asked for was rank the return on investment of these different medium. And, you know, uh, television and radio and newspaper, those were low. We expected that. But one, two, and three for the best return on investment was podcast interviews, Facebook marketing and email marketing. Mm. So I really, I really think people are going to focus more on that. The other thing is you're starting to see this now with advertisers. Um, advertisers are starting to throw money into podcasts mm-hmm. because they realize that the medium's growing, it works. And I just look at that and say, while that's one way to get on a podcast, you mm. know, to to buy a, a, a 30 second or a 60 second ad, you know, uh, why not just go on there and tell the story of your company? Mm-hmm. Um, Tell them why why you are and who you start, uh, who you work with, um, and I think that's really powerful. So I think I think we're just seeing podcasting at its infancy here. Uh, I think what's going to be amazing is I ask my daughters now, the the two youngest, you know, what does the pod stand for in podcasting, and they don't know because they've never seen an iPod. You know, to them, podcast you listen to it on your iPhone or in the car, and I think that. <laughs> Because we can, it's almost like on-demand radio. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to have lots of people that listen to the episodes but don't know it's a podcast. Yeah, I you know I actually forgot that iPod even existed for a few years ago. <laughs> Do you mention that? Well, uh, gee, you know, uh, last summer I got a call from a, a couple buddies that uh, I was in the Navy with in Arizona. And by the time I got the second voicemail, I had to call him back because both of them said, hey, I didn't realize you were in town. Give me a call. We'll go out to dinner tonight. And when I called him back, I'm like, why did you think I was in town? And they're like, well, we heard you on the radio this morning on the morning drive. And we just you know, figured you were in studio being interviewed. And when I started to piece it all together, 
it was a podcast interview that I'd probably done a year before wow. uh, that just got picked up by the local radio station. Yeah. And so to them, it was new. I was there. Um, and to me, it was just like, it's a podcast. And so if you'd ask those guys, do you listen to podcasts? They would say no, but you know, I could prove otherwise because they heard me. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's very cool. So as we start to wind down, Tom, I want to uh, give you some few wrapping up questions and then I'll let you go. So oh, yeah. um, looking back on your career thus far, what's been the most frustrating thing about being an entrepreneur? Patience. I mean, patience is a virtue, but it's not one that I have. Uh, and I have to remind myself often that, uh, you know, enjoy the journey as you're going along here, uh, because every entrepreneur will tell you when he looks back, he or she looks back that, you know, those times were the, the good old days. Mm -hmm. And I uh, just have to remind myself that um, uh, this is the good old days and to, to enjoy the journey. Nice, nice. And um, so I know you mentioned a couple books thus far. So what are some of your favorite books? And what have been the best lessons you've learned from them? Uh, the one that has rocked my world over the last year is a book called Play Bigger. And it's all about category design okay. instead of brand design. Um, and uh, th I see that theme coming up over and over and over in my life. And, um, you know, that the the people that are winning, it, it's called Play Bigger um, by Christopher Lockhead. How pirates, dreamers, and innovators create and dominate markets. I think mm. I got that right. Uh, but a great book, and their whole idea is, you know, you want to be the category king in what you're working in. You want to be different, not just a little bit better, um, because better doesn't stand out, but different does. Yeah. Um, so I highly, highly uh, recommend that book uh, to everybody. It's pro I probably bought more copies of for gifts than any other person. Oh. So now tell me a little bit about how you apply the lessons from that book in your business, uh, Interview Valet. Uh, sure. And from the standpoint of um – when I first read it, I thought, okay, what market am I in? Uh, okay. You know, what category I'm in? And and a lot of times people would say, you know, well, what is it like? And I would say, well, it's a little bit, we do a little bit of public relations. We do a little bit of marketing. It's almost like a speaker's bureau. And what that told everybody is like, okay, so they're a, they're a third-rate PR firm, firm. They're a third-rate marketing firm. They're a third-rate speakers bureau. Now, you want to be the best at what you do. Mm -hmm. So we really looked at it and it's like, no, what we're doing is inbound marketing with podcasts. And really, it's podcast interview marketing. And so when somebody says, you know, what do you do to, to claim that category and then realize that your role is not to to compete with anybody else to, you know, that, uh, uh, blue ocean strategy mm -hmm. of your idea is to evangelize the entire category. Mm. And so with that, so with that, you know, I focus on how I can, I can grow podcast interview marketing because I, I, I understand that it, this is going to be huge. Mm -hmm. So if, if I grow podcast interview marketing as a category, interview valet, uh, will grow in the same way. Yeah. And so with that, that's like why I put the book out. And a lot of people said, well, you know, why would you give the recipe to what you're doing? And I looked at it from the standpoint of, um, like a, a chef. There's a lot of chefs out there mm -hmm. that 
that will put their book out with the recipes and to make it more accessible to everybody. It doesn't mean no one ever goes to the restaurant anymore. Mm -hmm. If anything, it probably makes it more in demand. Yeah. No, because what we're doing is not, it's not magic. Yeah. I said at the beginning, it's a system. And most people look at that system and it's like, okay, I understand that. But our best clients are the ones that realize that the best thing they can do is work on their business and, and be the the talent, the performer. You know, they want to be the guest. We take care of all the rest. So, in, in order, and when we share this and, and build the the category of podcast interview marketing, we're helping ourselves. And I think it's that abundance mentality, whereas a lot of people have the scarcity mentality. Well, you know, if I share my secret, um, everybody will copy it. Mm -hmm. And it's like I look at it and say, um, you can copy what we did. You'll never be able to copy what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, if you copy it and, and get uh, 90% of it right, you're not going to get the same results we do. So yeah. um, I think uh, that that book has just been a um, uh, just been a, a mind shift for me. Uh, we want to be different, not just a little bit better and uh, really, you know, design your category, design your life. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just a different mindset as opposed to uh, what's your brand. No, it's what's your category, what problem are you solving? Yeah. And I always like to liken that to cooking. Like you mentioned with the cookbook recipes, like I, for example, once in a while I cook soups here and then my mom cooks and Though it's the same soup, the tastes are way, way different. <laughs> <laughs> just it's always, just it because, always tastes better when somebody makes it. Exactly. Just because, you know, yes, you follow the book and you follow the steps, but my situation is different. I might have not been concentrating or I might not be doing something or I might have overballed something. And hers, she always makes sure she does this a separate way, but that gives you a different uh, flavor to the soup. So in hey, the same way that you're if you're starting a guest uh, booking show, you know, you're, you might follow all the steps laid out in Tom's book, but it's not going to be the same because Tom's situation was different and Tom keeps reinventing and evolving over time. Right. And the, the other thing is we keep learning too, yeah. you know, um, when you only have your experience to draw on, uh, it's pretty limited, but when you're drawing on the experience of, you know, hundreds of guests, um, we always learn. And like one of the, uh, one of the things that we've put together and, uh, I'll put this up in, uh, for everybody if they want it is a checklist. Um, and it's the checklist we use before all of our podcast interviews, all of our guests use it. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of checklists. In the military, we used to say that checklists are written in blood, and it's better to be somebody else's blood than your own. And uh, so from that standpoint, there's no need to reinvent everybody's mistakes. You know, just go through the checklist and, and follow those. And uh, so from that standpoint, working together, sharing information, we can all be better on this. Yeah. Yeah. And my last question for the day. So looking – no, no, no. I think we've actually covered that. So – um, let me put it like this. What's the biggest lesson you learned from your biggest mistake? That everybody knows what I know. You know, it's it's very easy mm. to look and say, um, well, that's just ordinary. You know, everybody knows that. But the the more I, I, I grew and uh, moved into different circles and talked to different people is that what's ordinary to us 
is amazing to other people. Mm. You know, we all have our little zone of genius and our zone of brilliance. And in the back of my, our minds, we think, well, everybody knows that. Yeah. No, everybody doesn't know that. And we can make the world a much better place by sharing that with other people and asking them the questions and not having to, to recreate our own mistakes, but learning from other people. And I, I, I think, um, that's one of those things that I wish I would have learned earlier. That's what's ordinary to me is amazing to other people and what's ordinary to them is amazing to me. So to ask those questions and, you know, now we've got the technology that it's so easy mm-hmm. to connect people. You know, we're, uh, we're five hours of a time zone difference, mm-hmm. but we can use free technology to talk. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're today more than ever, if you're isolated or ignorant, it's by choice. Yeah. Uh, so I just wish I would have known that earlier uh, to, to reach out and to tap into other people's brilliance and to share mine. Yeah, that's, that's so true. That's so true. And my last question before I let you go, Tom, is um, for people that are thinking of starting, you know, a digital business, an online business, or basically thinking of what am I going to do next? You know, I'm in corporate. I don't like what I'm currently doing. And I want to do something creative so that I can feel fulfilled and make a decent living and hopefully make it all online. What would you advise that person to do? Well, there is a lot of problems in the world today, G, but there is no better time to be an entrepreneur. So consider yourself lucky if you're in that spot. That you say, well, I wish I would have done it 10 years ago. No, today is the best day to do that. You know, the tools that we have are so powerful. Most of them are, are free or very inexpensive. And, and I would say that, you know, go ahead and, and start working towards that today. Going back to what I said, there's, you know, what's ordinary to you is amazing to others. Mm-hmm. There is something that you know right now. Maybe it's a product, a service, whatever you have in your mind, that could help people. Now, it may not be perfect. It may not be able to help the entire world, but it could help somebody. Hmm. The problem that you have is that they don't know you exist. You're obscure. Hmm. So find a way to to reach those customers. And it could be different for different people. You know, maybe, you know, uh, you're good and you like videos. So I'll put some videos out there, or Facebook videos. Maybe you want to start your own podcast. Maybe you want to be a guest on somebody else's podcast. But get that word out there. Connect with those people because you could help them, but even more so, they can help you. Those first, you know, handful of customers and clients you have, they're going to tell you what you need to do to take it to the next level. They're going to tell you what they love and what they loathe, mm-hmm. and they'll help you grow that business. Um, don't do it. Uh, don't do it in isolation. You know, isolation is the enemy. Uh, get out there and and share with people what you can do. Uh, you're ready. Even though you think you're not ready, um, none of us think that. Yeah. Uh, none of us think we're ready. If we if we were, we'd already be there. Yeah. But, uh, but, but get out there and start talking with the people that you can help. Yeah. And just to add to that, you know, follow Tom's advice from the beginning. Have a great system in place. Do the message. Do the market research. And then, of course, have a machine to make sure that everything is optimizing upon everything else so that when you're starting or as soon as you start, you know, you have an engine that's working for you and bringing in those leads. And now, of course, you make the discovery call, convert the lead to a client, get a couple of dollars coming in and you're rocking and rolling. Well, let me, let me throw out one other thing here too. I mean, like I said, 
I'm trying to expand the whole idea of podcast interview marketing. Mm-hmm. So if any of this resonated uh, with anybody, just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash bulletproof. And everything Gene and I talked about will be there. Um, that checklist that I mentioned, I'll put that on there. You can just download it. Um, the book, um, you can buy it on Amazon. But honestly, just go to that page, uh, interviewvalet.com forward slash bulletproof, and you can download a, a free um, copy of that. And that just tells our entire system of how we do this. Uh, you don't have to reinvent it. Just follow the steps in there. Uh, there's even an infographic that I'll put on there on the nine steps to get booked on your first podcast. So it's not magic. It's been done before. Yeah. Uh, I'll show you how the how the tricks are done and you can use the same thing in order to to grow your business and really get out there and connect with people that you could help. Great. And I'll put that in the show notes. So before I let you go, Tom, where else can people find you apart from um, interviewvalet.com forward slash bulletproof? Yeah, I'm on um, Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I realize if people are are listening to this, they probably don't uh, write that all that stuff down. Uh, but if you just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash bulletproof, mm-hmm. I'll put my Twitter, my LinkedIn, my Facebook, or I'm the only Tom Schwab on LinkedIn in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So um, <laughs> uh, I hope another one doesn't doesn't move in because that'll uh, ruin my claim to fame. But I, I love connecting with people. You know, honestly, what's ordinary to you is amazing to me. So if there's any way I can be of service, uh, please just uh, reach out to me. Definitely. And I'll make sure to put that put a double start. Tom, Tom Schwab, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I really appreciate you coming to share your words of wisdom and just uh, break breaking down the awesome power of podcast interviewing. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate everything that you do on the Bulletproof Entrepreneur. And if I can do one final shout-out here. Yeah, sure. Like like I said, anybody that says doing a podcast is easy has never done it or never done it well. The great ones make it look easy, and I'm here – with the easy part, but she puts in all of the work, uh, to make this possible. So if you haven't already show him your appreciation, show him your love and, you know, go to iTunes or Stitcher and just leave a review. It makes a difference. You know, once again, um, what's ordinary to you here in this podcast, there's other people that don't know about it. And by you leaving them that review, that'll help them find it too. Uh, thanks. Thanks a lot, Tom. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com.